So that was the first time I got crabs. Yeah, yeah. So give me uh give me a sound check, Dan. Can you hear yourself? No. You can't? No, no, no. Turn my microphone up. You need your mic up? No, no, no. Hold on. Okay. How's oh. how's that? Yep, that's better. You gonna warm up a little? Um 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 me 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 mum mum me. Hold on, hold on. Wait, do, do I have to put my pants on for this? Yes. Oh. Do re mi fa so. Come on. La ti do. La 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 la. Stars out there in the darkness. A fugitive running. Fallen from God. Fallen from grace. Oh, that was pretty good. Ah. All yes, right, so we're going to uh, start the show at some point. You want to start? Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. <gasps> we're already recording. Oh, hey. Coming to you from the Eon Project Studios, overlooking the vast, pristine acreage of Primrose Village. Greeting from this wooded gem of the Blackstone Valley. You're listening to Experts of Nothing with Mike and Jay. Hey, Jay. Oh, hey, Mike. What's going on? How are you today? Ah, eh, you know, it's another day, another nickel here on the Eon Project. We make money? Uh, I wish. When did that happen? Uh, last Tuesday. Well, welcome to another edition of the exciting Eon Project. Super exciting, where we're growing every week. The Eon Project, a show so fabulous, Liberace once sued us for flamboyance infringement. You know, that Liberace, he was uh, he was something else, I, I must he, say. You know, uh, he was an interesting character, and, you know, there was a movie uh, uh, for made for HBO a few years ago called Behind the Candelabra, mm, I've which seen I like it. to say can- Candelabra. I've seen it several times. Is that and wrong? You've seen it. I have. And uh, it's actually a pretty good film. It's got uh, Michael Douglas starring as the... Uh, the aforementioned Liberace. That's true. And you know, uh, Matt Damon is in it too. Matt Damon plays a boy toy for Liberace. You know, it's amazing uh, what these actors can do to get into a role. Sometimes they need they, they deserve the money that they get. But anyway, I was going to say, the, the, uh, the, sh- the, the movie itself, I didn't know a lot about Liberace. Sure. Because uh, it was a little bit before our time, but... Uh, he seemed like a very tragic figure. He seemed like a, a, like a good guy, maybe. Yeah. You know, he just had, had a lot of... Uh, a lot of excess, and it kind of got to him. And You, you know, when he was dying of AIDS, uh, uh-huh. in order to keep it from the public, because they didn't want him to know, they said that, that he, was, uh, he, was, he was on a watermelon-only diet. Watermelon-only? Eating only. and drinking watermelon. I don't think I... How do you drink watermelon? Well, like watermelon juice. And he was, that, like, wasting away. Isn't that just water? You know, he went on these sexual escapades. Ooh, uh, ex- escapades. Yeah, no, it was, it was crazy. Crazy lifestyle. Anyway, it was an interesting uh, Liberace, a, a, a tragic figure. True. What did, we, what, did we, uh, what did we do last, last week? Last week, we talked about the Velisca X murder house. Ooh, that was Iowa. That was in yeah, Iowa. That was in Iowa. A couple listens there, not too many. Yeah, you know, uh, some, somebody had mentioned uh, that it was one of our better shows. Oh, I got the same feedback. Uh, so, which is which is good. You know, it's a pretty good show. And uh, we, we, as you, as we, we were talking about right before we started recording today, that we have been now heard in at least thirty three different states. Thirty three states. That's right. And several foreign countries. So, if you're listening to the show on one of these states that hasn't been ticked off, listen more. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. No, that would tell make some sense. friends, tell relatives. Anyway. Yeah, so force us on your worst enemy. You know, you would say you would say that I'm a, a I'm a relatively intelligent, uh, sophisticated man, wouldn't you say? I would say some of those things. <clears throat> you know, but that's that's the beauty of of living is mm-hmm. that every day you learn something. You new. You do. You learn things. You learn new things. Sure. Um. So I heard a new word uh the other day, and I wasn't sure what it was. Okay. So I I'll, I'll tell you what the word is. You tell me if you know because you're right. pretty smart. I'm gonna, I'm and gonna then listen. I'll explain it to you. We'll see. What is a merkin? A merkin. Mm. A merkin is a mermaid Ken doll. That's true. Yes. No, but that's merkin. not in the sense that I was, oh, was going to say. Oh, okay. So the reason I bring that up is because, um, so you know, I've uh, back in the day, well, I still am to this day, but I'm a big fan of the band Tool. Tool. You just like to say Tool. I like to say Tool. 
cool. cool. It's like toes. It's so I started listening to them in the uh, in the early nineties. Yes, and very I, enigmatic band. Enigmatic, you know. Back in the day, you never saw them. Never saw them. They were never. Their, their videos were all these strange, fantastical creatures and things. Yeah, like uh, uh, stop motion. Uh, yeah. animation stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You didn't know who they were. You didn't know what they looked like. Never you didn't saw know them. what they were all about unless right. you went to a show or something. You get to see them live. Right. But now in this uh, this time of social media. Uh, you know, in videos, you get to see them all the time mm-hmm. and, and learn new and interesting things about them. So I've been doing that recently. Okay. And, uh, you know, I have an appreciation for all the band members, but I especially like Maynard James Keenan. Well, you know, he's got three first names, uh, three names. They name all three names. So he's either a, an assassin mm. or a serial killer. Mm. That's the only time you get... He's a musical assassin. You get three names. But he's great. He he, he takes sophistication beyond beyond words. Okay. He's a man of many talents and... and uh, and, uh, is he a Renaissance man? He is. He's a, he's a new new man. Okay. So <clears throat> many people don't know this. Obviously, he's a talented uh, vocalist and, and musician, uh, and he was also in the military. Uh huh. He is an avid uh, gun rights supporter. Really? I don't know if many people knew that. I didn't know that. But in addition to that, he is a sophisticated wine connoisseur. Oh, he is. He is. He's a wine connoisseur. And he back in uh, you know maybe ten years ago or so he he started a new business a a winery if you will actually it is or a winery a vineyard a vineyard okay um in Arizona does he stomp the grapes with his bare feet he doesn't he doesn't but I'm watching doesn't currently matter. watching a documentary about this it's really? really interesting so he owns a winery what's the name of it he does he does it's called Caduceus Cellars I think that's how you say it I don't know that I would trust wine. That was stomped upon by Maynard James Keenan. But the reason I bring up the word Merkin mm-hmm. is because that's actually the name of his vineyards. It's called Merkin Vineyards. Oh, and so that name, it's not just a name. It actually means something? It does mean something. Oh, okay. It's in Jerome, Arizona. But the word Merkin, mm-hmm. and I'm going to read I'm gonna read the book definition. I don't think I've ever heard that name. A Merkin is a pubic wig. Merkins were originally worn by prostitutes after shaving their genitalia and are now used as decorative items, erotic devices, or in films by both men and women. The female version is usually made of fur, beaver pelts, linen, or some soft version of cloth, while the male version is usually made of loops, chains, or metal, and is much more closely related to the codpiece. What the hell are you talking about? That's what a merkin is. I don't understand. It's, so it's, is it something that's worn by prostitutes? So, actually, it, it, it came about originally. I did a little history uh, on this, a little okay. research on this. It's bizarre. That's right Ye- up your alley, though. Re- years ago, uh, I don't know, 500 years ago or so, mm-hmm. prostitutes uh, would shave off all their pubic hair mm-hmm. uh, before it was, you know, in vogue before to do Before it was common that, to Before do. it was common practice. Right. In order to, uh, <clears throat> if they had any kind of lice or anything, they would get rid of them that way. <laughs> uh, any kind of diseases down there. And they terrific. Would, and they would put these these merkins on oh. to conceal any, um, you know, private part issues that they oh, may so be if, having. if they had like herpes or something. That's right. And it would like hide it. Right. And it would, it would help prevent the spread of some of these diseases. How would it help prevent it? Because you didn't have the, the little bugs crawling around in your This whole conversation is starting to bother me. Well, but that's what a merkin is. Oh. But go to go to the, the merkin, <laughs> merkin Vineyards and you can order their wine <laughs> I'm online. Never, I am never going to go to Merkin Vineyards. And uh, you can you buy that. some wine from Maynard James Keenan. You're going to get lice in it or something. And uh, apparently it's really good. Well, today's program is going to be uh, kind of a, a, a throwback to our earlier times mm. when we discussed all things that were, you know, kind of strange and weird. And today we're going to get into some mysterious places. So Ooh. we're going to jump into a few of those topics. But before we do that, I wanted to uh, I wanted to mention a news story that I, that just came out this morning. Mm-hmm. And now and you can date our show now because you probably this is nationwide news. Oh, OK. So anyway, so down in Maryland, you ever been to Maryland? It's a nice place. Oh, I've been there. I used to I have some relatives that live there. Oh, Mar- is it Maryland or Maryland? It's Maryland. Maryland. Anyway, down in Maryland, a woman was observed via closed circuit television security cameras 
sneaking into a McDonald's in the middle of the night through the drive-through window. Oh, so you'd have to be pretty pretty lithe to get through this the uh, the drive-through window, right? Oh, yeah. No, this is a large woman. I have and I've seen the video, and I don't know how she did it. Did she get caught up in the window? No, she oh. she slithered through the drive-through window yep. in the middle of the night. Uh, no one was there. It was clearly not a 24-hour McDonald's. And she spent about an hour in the in the in the McDonald's. Yep. The first thing she did was get a beverage. So you can see you're getting a a, a cold beverage from the uh, well. Dispensary. That makes sense because it's right near the window. Right, and yeah. also because you know she was probably thirsty after you know sliding her fat body through the uh, mm. through the window. But anyway, she spent about an hour in the store. She stole a bunch of food, found some cash, and she is seen going out the same way uh, with boxes full of junk. And she she pushed the boxes out. So. This woman, mm. uh, and she's clearly, uh, she's going to be caught because she, her entire visage yeah. is, is very plain of on, course. on the cameras. You know, why do people break into places like that? Don't they know there's cameras there? I don't know, but that reminds me of a story, and I think the statute of, lim- of limitations is up now. Mm. But my very first job was in a fast food establishment. Oh. I worked in a... Do uh, tell. I worked in a, uh, a Burger King, if I can say that. No, Burger uh, Burger Prince, I like you to, can say. I like to plug them. They have delicious fast food. Burger King is pretty good. Eh, whatever. They're all right. So anyway, I worked there. Uh, I only worked there for a year because after the year was up, the Burger King went out of business. You put it out of business, I'm we sure. We did. Uh, the, the, the employees there were uh, ravaging... Uh, <laughs> I don't know if they were taken from the till, oh. but... Uh, you know, what, they were, are you saying that you engaged in illegal activity? Well, you know, I I, I would I, when they weren't looking, I would steal some food. I wouldn't steal it. I'm sorry, I wouldn't. Yeah, steal so you it. just let it, no, let no. it slip. I was hungry, uh-huh. and I would just grab food and eat it. That's still theft. When I wasn't supposed called, to. It, you know what that's called in the industry? In the industry, grazing. That's is, called. Is that, what, is that what that's called? Yes, when employees uh, take food. Well, employees or uh, customers in like a like a uh, either fast food or a like a grocery setting. Yeah. If they eat food while they're walking, they're, it's called grazing. Oh. So it, it, yeah, people don't think that's a crime. It is a crime. So next time you're in a store and you feel it's okay to take a, a couple of grapes off the little vine thing at the grocery store, yeah. and eat them, that is not okay. That well, is see, I, I, the only time I would ever do that is uh, you know if I'm making sure that the grapes are in season. Well, let me ask you this: yeah. How did you like? What kind of? How did you steal the food? Like, how, what did you do? Just grab it from the from the little hopper thing that well, was in? Well, I hate to I hate to I hate to go this far, but so there were various various levels to this. Oh, there was levels. Yeah. So if this is I, a sophisticated crime, if I was in the middle of uh, I was I was the I was the food prep person in the back. Okay. And uh, you know if I got hungry. Quick, I'd grab, I'd grabbly, grabbly, grabbly. <laughs> I'd quickly grab a nugget out of the uh, out of little You're nugget a holder, nugget thief, and I'd eat the nugget. Uh-huh. Um, or I'd any any cheeseburgers that were left over, I'd grab them, run in the back, and eat them. I was gonna say, how did where did you eat? You couldn't eat it at the food prep area. No, someone would see you. No, I you know those those fast food managers are very uh, they're eagle eyed. They can see you uh, committing some. Actually, they don't. See so you. the worst thing I ever did, and I'm I'm not proud of this, Uh-oh. but I will I will uh, I will reveal reveal this to the world. Oh. So one night I was working late, and the manager had to go make a bank drop. Uh huh. So it was just me and another employee. So they left. trusted you, and that was their mistake. They trusted us in the store. So I. Took it upon myself to go into the walk-in freezer and loaded my backpack with various frozen items. You, you've now crossed the threshold into straight theft. Congratulations. <laughs> I took some uh, some French toast sticks, some burgers. <laughs> some frozen items. Some other things. And uh, I, I walked out of the freezer and the manager was coming in the freezer. Oh, no. As I was walking out. With, and they didn't see you with a bag? No, because I had concealed it in a large pot. And uh, I walked out with the pot like wow. I was going to the pot sink. This is like to a legit it. heist. This is like Ocean's Eleven. I did, except it was just Ocean's J. But this was 1974, so I think right. the uh, I think the statute of limitations is. The up. manager was combing his sideburns in the parking lot. We used to call the manager Mongo. Mongo. Why'd they call him Mongo? From the guy from uh, Heathcliff. Remember the the cartoon? Oh, Heathcliff? the big, the big, the big one. Yeah, the big goofy guy. Interesting. You reminded me of that. Well, thank you for that extra special little glimpse into your criminal life. Okay. So today we're going to discuss some mysterious places, and the first one up. 
is a place that you may or may not have heard of. Yes. Have you ever been to Czechoslovakia? Uh, once last year. Once, twice last year. Mm. Anyway, there's a place in Czechoslovakia, and it's called Huska Castle. Huska. Huska. Mm. I've never been to Czechoslovakia myself. Is it still Czechoslovakia, or is it something else? It's the Czech I know Republic. It, well, no, it was Czechoslovakia, and then it became something no, else. No, it's the Czech Republic and Slovakia, the two different countries. Well, it said Czechoslovakia. Oh, that's old notes you have. No. So anyway, Czechoslovakia sounds like a fun place to go. Actually, it sounds like a place where you would get um, roofied and they'd steal your kidney. And go to a hostel and then the next yeah, thing you, you know, up, you're bleeding in a tub. You end up dead. Mm. Anyway, so about an hour north of Prague, Prague, Ugh. that's a fun word to say, stands Castle Huska, which is a castle built during the reign of Ottokar II. Ah. Ottokar. Th- that was a good guy. Ottokar? Ottokar? Ottokar II of Bohemia. Ooh. In the year of our Lord, 1253 to 1278. So it took uh, about 20 years to build. You know, they didn't just build stuff back then. Stuff took forever. That's right. You know, they didn't have construction crews and everything. Mm. Uh, So it took them forever to do stuff. So some people say, and and it's actually still there to this day. Some people say that this old and scary looking building was actually built for a very strange purpose. As you know, castles were usually built with the purpose of keeping people out. That's right. This one may have been built to keep something in. Some people say that Castle Hauska or Huska sits directly over a portal to hell itself. That sounds plausible. Here are some strange features of the castle that make people think that they that lead them to this weirdo conclusion. Ready? Okay, yep. First, many of the castle windows, because if you look at pictures of it, you can find them online. Yeah. Many of the castle windows are actually fake. If you look closely, you see that most of the windows are actually facades. They're glass panes behind uh, w- behind which are sturdy walls. So it's like a fake window. Oh, it's so, actually a solid wall. So from the outside, it looks like a window. That's but if correct. you're in the room, you'd be trapped it, in there. That's right. It's oh. a solid wall. Secondly, the castle has no no fortifications, no water source, no kitchen. And af- for years and years after it was constructed, no occupants. Mm. So it wasn't built for someone to live in. So it remained empty. Yeah. Also, most castles, you know, were, why do you build a castle if you're in the, in the Middle Ages there? What's a, what's a purpose for a castle? Well, it, pr- it protects it protects the uh, the royalty that yep. live there and the people that right. are inside the castle walls. Okay, uh, from you know attacks from invaders and such. And also, wouldn't it be common practice, you think, to to place a castle in a strategic location, right, atop a hill, yeah, or, or something, an, or on a trade route, or on a, or a, sure. overlooking a body of water, or yep. some some sort of strategical. Mm-hmm. That's not a word. Stra- strategery place. Stratious. This one is built nowhere near anything. It's mm. in the middle of nowhere. It's actually built near a swamp, in the middle of nowhere. Okay. North of Prague. Prague. So why did they build Castle Huska? What do you think? Um, I think they. Were, I think it was a, a... I have more, by the way. Oh, oh go ahead. No, it was, just, it was a rhetorical question. What do you think? Oh, it was rhetorical. Okay, yeah. I won't answer it then. Flashback to old-timey Czechoslovakia. I bet it was good times back at old-timey Czechoslovakia. Well, living was rough. A bunch of peasants rolling around. No alarm clocks. No uh, hygiene, so to speak. Yeah. Anyway, so in the castle where Castle... In the, in the area where Castle Huska now sits... There was a large, deep hole. It was just a hole. It was always there. As far as anyone could remember. Like in the middle hole. of the castle? No, no, no. There was no castle. It was in the place oh, oh, where, oh. where it is now. There was gotcha. just a giant hole. Yep, sure. Okay. The hole was so deep, you couldn't see to the bottom of it. Mm-hmm. So the villagers, you know villagers, villagers like to, to talk and kibitz. They talk. They, they talk carry to torches around and pitchforks and things. Yeah, they get, they get alarmed very easily. Yep. You know those peasants. So they began to believe that the hole was bottomless. That there was no hole, there was nothing in the bottom of the hole. Were they throwing things into it? Yeah, they would throw things in, and nothing would come back out, and you wouldn't hear anything. So mm. they assume, and you know, any deep hole, you probably wouldn't, but they didn't hear anything. So they assumed that it was bottomless. And soon, legends abound that at night, black winged creatures would crawl out of it and terrorize the countryside. 
That sounds right. Flying around, abducting people, taking them and throwing them into the hole. Like the Czechoslovakian version of the Mothman. Yeah, except this one would grab people and throw them into the hole. Mm. So anyway, so stories became so prevalent that people were afraid to go out at night. And there were even stories that the wing thingies, like I said, would abduct people, throw them into the pit, and never be seen again. So, a local nobleman, you know those noblemen, yeah. always up to no good. Sure. Decided that he's going to build a castle over the pit to keep it shut. Because he didn't want the winged creatures coming so out. So they want to seal everything in. Want to seal it in. But before construction began, they wanted to see how deep the pit was, to see if it was actually bottomless. So what they did was they gathered up a bunch of criminals who were awaiting execution. So these are oh, condemned, I was waiting for this. condemned criminals. I could see this one coming. <laughs> you know, the, the punishments back then were, <laughs> yep. really, were really cool. Like so the they, moon door. Yes. Mm. Just like the moon door in, in, uh, in Game of Thrones. So they gathered a bunch of exe- uh, criminals awaiting execution. And they offered them a pardon if they agreed to be lowered into the pit to see what was down there. Oh. So the first one volunteers. He was under threat of execution. So he said, oh, why not, right? I'm going to die anyway. I might as well get lowered into so, the pit. So uh, old Bob, who got arrested for uh, stealing from the he local Czechoslovakian uh, fast food establishment. Yeah, he stole a cup of soda from the local McDonald's. He volunteered and was lowered by rope into the pit. And, and people had gathered to see, you know, what was going to happen to him. Yep. As soon as he passed out of sight, terrible screaming was heard. Oh. And they weren't sure if it was Bob, Bob the peasant, or something else that was screaming. So they did, they, they, they hurried up and pulled him up. And guess what they found? No more Bob. No, he was there. Oh. His hair had turned white. He was a young man. His hair had, ble- had been bleached white. So he was scared white, basically. Scared white, and mm-hmm. he had supposedly gained 30 years in appearance. Wow. So in the, in the couple of seconds that he was down in the hole. How, how far down did he go? Uh, did, just did out of say? sight. Like in, in, so he, oh, just, just into the darkness. Past the, yes, past the point where the light is. Okay. And then he was a mumbling, raving, insane person, and he died two days later. So he wasn't able to describe what he saw. He down was there. not able to describe. He was he was mumbling incoherently. So who was the next lucky cat to go? Down I don't think there? anybody else volunteered to go into the pit at that mm. point. They said, you know what, just cut my head off. It'd be a lot easier. So they built the castle over the pit, supposedly to seal these baddies in. Mm-hmm. Did it work? I don't know. That was a rhetorical question. All sorts of weird happenings have been happening and happening at the castle since then. So this is going on, you know, twelve fifty. So it was, you know, six hundred years ago. Yeah, seven hundred years ago. And things are still happening at Castle Husko. So workers in the inner court, here's some of the things that have happened. So is there, is there staff there now or people? Yeah. Okay. So workers in the inner courtyard have heard voices coming from the chapel. So the chapel was supposedly built directly over the pit. Sure. So they figured, you know, well, let's put a, a holy place over the pit. Makes sense. In case it's demonic in nature and it'll kind of counteract. So the workers have heard voices uh, and no one is there. They've seen uh, dark cloaked figures on the upper floors thought to be the ghosts of unknown people who have been killed at the pit or the demonic entities laying within. Right. It's also believed that during, and of course, well, you know, I'll get to that in a minute. So demonic entities are said to be seen in the chapel, strange moaning, screams in many languages, uh, all sorts of stuff like that. And witnesses over the years have said that they've seen things in the area uh, across between a human, a giant frog, and a bulldog. Oh so I'd God. like to see that across between a, a, a bulldog and a... And a Frog and a, and a man. I think we went to school with a kid that looked like that. We did. Yeah, his name was Roger. <laughs> Roger. Well, we won't mention him by name because we don't want to... Nope. We don't want to get sued. So a particularly nasty presence has been seen in the hunting lodge, which was part of the castle. Mm-hmm. Uh, a guest by the name of Zdena Verskalova. Zdeno Chara? Zdena Verskalova oh. was relaxing in the room with her husband when they both heard a strange noise, like something heavy hitting the floor close to them. Mm-hmm. Zdena, which is a woman's name apparently... And a man's name. Yeah. Turned and saw two dark figures on the stairs. They had no distinguishable features, 
but she believes she whispered she heard them whispering about something about killing some young girls so these demonic things were saying that oh, they, they were plotting to murder some youths i don't know mm. the cellar is nicknamed satan's office let me ask you this if what? a demon kills you yeah is it murder because it's a, it's a uh, supernatural event it's not real i mean it's not uh, another person doing it right of course it's murder well no, I see your point. Like, legally speaking, well, you can't prosecute a demon. I oh, yeah, I guess you couldn't. So anyway, so the cellar is nicknamed Satan's office, and it even has a throne embellished with horns and a trident. A black-robed, faceless priest has been seen materializing in front of the throne and walking up the steps before vanishing. Interestingly, in the uh, 1930s and 40s, supposedly the Nazis took up residence in the castle. You know those Nazis? Yeah, they took up residence pretty much they everywhere. They were taking up residence everywhere. Mm. You know, any place that had a roof, really, yep. became Nazi property, especially in that area. But supposedly they set up a laboratory there Ooh. to try to harness the dark forces that were inside the pit. Is it laboratory or laboratory? If you're, if you're cool and sophisticated, say laboratory. Mm. So the Nazis were into all that sort of thing. You know, they were trying to harness arcane and occult powers. Yeah, like, stuff the, yeah like the that. Nazi bell we talked about yep. many shows ago. Oh, they're always trying to cash in on something. No word on whatever came out of that, but supposedly that happened. And you know what? You can visit the place today. They do tours. They do. Uh, I don't know if I would go there, but... Uh, the, the show Ghost Hunters International apparently did a show there. I did not see the show. Mm. And supposedly they did find some You know, it's uh, interesting. Some evidence. Because I'm going to, uh, in, a, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to Bulgaria, mm -hmm. and uh, which is not too far from there, I don't think. You're going to make a trip over there? I'm going to take a train. I'm going to take a cross-European cross uh, train uh, adventure. Okay. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to visit this place. What you should do is you go to Prague and you start walking north. And 75 miles later, you'll run right into it. It's right there. Oh, all right. So if those of you are listening who are in Czechoslovakia. So there's, uh, I'm sure you can go online and you see some pictures of yeah, the place, Yeah, there's pictures right? of the place. It's actually weird looking. It doesn't look like a normal castle like you would think of. It doesn't have like the turrets and, you know, all the uh, loopholes for the sure. archers and junk. It just looks like a big, fat, black, uh, black, big, fat brick building. I see. That's what it looks like. So in this, even in this day and age, we still, we're still not 100% sure. Uh, why it was constructed, just as, no. aside from the supernatural this aspect is, This of it. is all going back, you know, and, and they assume... And one of the things I failed to mention is supposedly in the chapel, there's... Well, not supposedly, because you can see it. There are many depictions of... And these are paintings that were done during construction. Many pictures of angels battling demons. Mm -hmm. And there seem to be an awful lot of demons present, more so than would be in a normal church. Yeah. So they figured that that was a sign from the builders that, you know, this is not a place for cavorting. You know what I find most interesting, and it's a it's a uh, you know a theme that's going to run through a couple of things that I'm going to talk about is just the overall um, you know what do they call it? chutzpah that chutzpah. that that, uh, that humans have you okay. know even back then they could build such a uh, oh yeah such a structure sure um, it, it's amazing what humans can accomplish with just a little bit of uh, uh, you know know how and yeah, and, humans and, are, and brute strength humans are very uh, under underestimated sometimes and resourceful sure. You know, I say that because... Well, there's a will, there's a way. Because, you know, you, you, we're so ingrained in society with living with electricity and all the amenities of modern life, mm -hmm. and you don't think you could ever live without it. But when I was without power for a week, <laughs> I realized... Did it, quick, did it devolve quickly into, like, Lord of the Flies? No, I, was re I realized quickly how much you have, to, uh, you have to adapt to your situation, especially when you have, uh, you know, people to care about and care for, you did, Yeah, uh, that you have to kind of do those things. You didn't think about killing and eating your dogs, did you? No. Yeah. Um, I didn't, but it didn't, uh, it didn't come to that. No, nope, not at all. Okay, not at all. So before I get into my topic, um, I, I have I have an exciting announcement here on the Eon Project. Ooh, exciting! Dun, dun, dun. We have a new sponsor. We do. We do. So a few weeks ago, obviously we had the door store, and then Frank had a tragedy. And Frank called in and told us all about his tragedy. He did. Poor he did. Frank. So uh, you know, 
what we do throughout the week is we're out, we're trying to elicit new sponsors for the program. Yeah, we go door to door. We, we're, we're big proponents of local businesses. Um, we try to get the word out there. We let what we'd like to promote them as well as they promote us. Right. So uh, what we're going to do now is we have a new sponsor. They created a commercial for us. Well, we helped them create the commercial. And uh, we're going to play it for you here in just a second. So if you like seafood, uh, you're gonna love you're gonna love our uh, our new sponsor. Clams, tasty seafood. Come aboard. It will make you poo and clams. Mollusks inside our pot. Let it go. It floats back to the top. Hi everyone, Horatio here for the clam boat. Do you like clams and other types of seafood? but don't have the budget or proximity to the ocean to enjoy a fresh catch? Well, come on down to our simulated seafood establishment where our faux fish is as fresh as it could be without refrigeration. We're located at the strip mall behind Chappie's Tire Shop. Stop in or visit us online at www.clamboatfloats.com. Take care, we'll see you soon. Hit it, Johnny! The Clam Boat. Eating here might just give you the runs. The clam boat. Simulated seafood is so much fun. All right, that was the uh, that was our latest sponsor here on the Eon Project. It was the clam boat. Have you been to the clam boat? I haven't. I'm not sure if you enjoy any uh, types of seafood. Well, I myself am allergic to most kinds of seafood. Oh, you are? Yeah. But this but isn't real seafood, so you well, might be You know be what? Okay. I may be okay. You know, I was speaking with Horatio the other day. Seems uh, like when, a good guy. When we were discussing the uh, the commercial, and he said that he has a really good relationship with uh, the owners over at Chappie's Tire Shop. Oh, I bet he does. And they're running a special that if you go uh, if you go to Chappie's and you, and you buy four tires, mm-hmm. you get a uh, 10% off uh, your next meal at... Uh, at the at the clam boat. At the clam boat. So they have they usually have these uh, these running deals back and forth. So you get four tires and a delicious clam esque meal at a at a reasonable discount. Yeah. Very so Chappie and Horatio got a thing going. Good job, guys. Yep. Anyway, so we talked about the Huska Castle. Yes. We're on mysterious places today on yep. the Eon Project. Yeah. And I think you're up next with what you have. I am, and I'm going to talk a little bit about, and this is a uh, this is a topic that's very interesting to me, um, just because of the sheer nature of it and uh, how it was all created by one man. So we're going to talk about a place uh, called Coral Castle. Oh. And Coral Castle, I'm sure some of you have heard of it. Sounds like a hotel in Cancun. It does. I've been to the uh, the Moon Palace there. That's pretty nice. I've been to Cancun myself, and I have to tell you, uh, I don't think I would go back there. Nah, me either. It's Not too dangerous thing. right now. Not only is it dangerous, it just it seems like it's more for young folk. Mm. You know, we would be the weird old guys that were hanging around the beach. So Coral Castle is a uh, it's a place located in Homestead, Florida, which is uh, southern Florida, mm-hmm. and uh, we know a little bit more uh, we, uh, a little bit more about the builder, but we don't know really much about why he did what he did. A little bit, but not much, and or how he did what he did, because it's really just kind of a miracle of 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 engineering, okay. not even modern engineering, because he didn't have any modern tools or anything like that. Hmm. It's basically a site of of metal, meth, megalithic. 
Do you know what that word means? Uh, it means old and rocky. And big stone structures. And they were carved and, and formed into, very, in, into different objects. And we'll talk more specifically here about them in a minute. But I want to talk a little bit about the gentleman that created this, uh, this wonder. So this is a place you can go to. You can go to. It's uh, like, a, like a museum, essentially. Oh, now cool. it is. Because this gentleman died many, many moons ago. But you go there, you pay a small fee, you go in, you get a tour, you get all the information that you need, mm-hmm. uh, and, and things of that, of, that, of that sort. So it was built by a name of Edward Leed Skullman. And Leed Skullman was a, uh, going back to Europe, was a, uh, a Latvian immigrant. Oh, Latvia. He was born in Riga, Latvia on August 10th, 1887. Latvian caviar, best in the world. Yes. Uh, and this next, this next event is going to shape, uh, pun intended, the rest of Ed's uh, short life. Oh, actually, he lived kind of a long time. But so at 26, he was engaged to the love of his life, uh, a young, uh, nubile young lady. She was nubile at 16 years old. Her name was Agnes Scuffs. Oh, and Miss Agnes, uh, she was uh, she was quite the looker for the Latvians. Uh, she was a strong on plow. Strong on plow. And uh, yeah, she was. She was. I'm sure she was an attractive uh, young lady. She was probably short and wide. The day before the wedding. Just one day before they were supposed to get married, Agnes canceled the wedding. Uh-oh. Called it off. Poor poor man. For some reason, uh, I don't know if she was not too keen on Ed's, uh, you know, hygiene. Uh, who knows? Mm-hmm. Of course, he was very heartbroken, and he uh, ended up coming to America at some point. That's a good movie, by the way. And set out to create a monument to his lost love, Agnes Scuffs. So his... I don't think that I would ever build anything to a person named Agnes Scuffs. Why not? Okay. What if she? What if she looked? Uh, no, she didn't. amazing. I can tell you she didn't. Oh, okay. But this actually turned into a crazed obsession, if you will, um, that culminated into a most amazing, uh, one of the world's most amazing accomplishments, in my opinion, because it was only one man, uh, untrained. You know, he was not a a, a college educated man. Um, you know, he was a small man to at you know to at, in stature to uh, to be able to do this sort of thing. So Coral Castle, as it became known, was originally called Rock Gate Park. And what happened was Ed decided, as I stated earlier, that he was going to create this, this monument to his love, Agnes. And obviously with no help large or large machinery, he carved and sculpted over 1,100 tons of rock. Wow. Yeah. And by the way, he was only 5 feet tall and only weighed about 100 pounds. So, he was 5 feet tall and 100 pounds? That's right. One of my legs is 5 feet tall and 100 pounds. That's true. Wow. So basically what Ed did was, throughout the course of his life, and by the way, he only worked at night. He worked at night inside the gates of his of his property. Was he a recluse? He, uh, not so much. I mean, he'd go out in the town and, and things like that. Okay. And he'd work by candlelight. Hmm. And he would somehow manage to harness the powers of who knows what. And that's why there's a mystery of it, because they'd be these giant blocks of stone, much much like the Stonehenge stones. We all know how big and heavy those were. Right. He would carve them. He would lift them into place and put them in various uh, positions. He would stack stones upon upon one another. And I think most famously, there is a uh, there's a, a stone gate is what they call it, right? And it's a giant... Is that why they call it Rock Gate Park? Yeah, oh. several several ton stone that is erected in a vertical fashion. It's like a it's rectangular shaped. And what Ed did was, somehow he managed to drill through the length of this stone using no power tools, mind you, and was able to uh, put a shaft down there and erect this stone. This, is sound, this sounds you, you sexual, said erect it? and shaft in the same sentence oh, twice. I did. I'm, I'm sorry. Count, I'm counting. And what he did was he used the wheel bearing of a 1918 Ford truck to be able to pivot 
uh, and place this stone on its on its uh, center of gravity and balance this stone on a on a basically another pie-shaped rock and have it upright. And literally, a stone that weighed many, many tons, a small child could come over and push it with one hand. Really? And open and close this gate. So let me ask you a question then. Sure. So you say he did most of this stuff at night. Mm-hmm. Was he in a, a remote area? Was he like far removed from other people? So he actually moved his location uh, one time. He originally started building in, I believe it was Florida City, Florida. Mm-hmm. And what happened was he got broken into, I think. And he didn't like the fact that he was a lot more remote there. So he himself he, was broken into or his place? Well, his property from? was. Oh. And uh, people were going in there and he didn't want him there. So he said, I'm going to move before he really, before his project really got going. And he ended up moving um, down to Homestead, Florida and restarted the, the project. Well, the reason I ask you that, his proximity to others was, uh, you know, given the fact that he's using supposedly primitive tools, right. uh, things that, you would hear that, you would hear all sorts of construction noises going on, right? Sure. You, well, one would think. Yeah, so what would happen was people would try to come and peek over his little fence there, his little wall to see what he was up to. And he it was almost like he had a sixth sense about that, about people watching him. So he would stop working. Really? He, and he, he'd stop working and he would shoo them away. And he'd say, get out of here, people. Here's a historical reenactment of that, sure. that exact scene. Yep. Get away. Yep, and they'd run. And they would run. They'd run away. So one of the other things that he did was he he carved a giant um, stone heart by hand. <laughs> What's better? That was funny. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm drinking this. Uh, what are I'm, you doing over there? No, I'm drinking this uh, <laughs> this herbal tea today because uh-huh. I ran out of the regular tea. It's herbal. It's tea. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of just the straight up Lipton tea bags, you know? Yes. I, like, and, uh, I know you're a fan of the tea bag. I like the tea bag mm-hmm. and uh, I put it in hot water there. It's like dirt in a bag. Yep. And uh, I warm it up and it's good and it soothes my throat. Right. Gets me all but going. But today it's, it's causing you to be verklempt. Well, because it's not the normal tea. It's, oh. a, it's a bag of strange herbs. It's, yeah, you don't know what's in there, man. That, uh, that, that's got me heaving up a little bit. Anyway. So, yeah. so, so he's constructing this ginormous thing full of ginormous things. That's right. And uh, no one knows how he's doing it. Nobody knows how he's doing it. And at some point, I don't know at what point you would think that it would start to get a little bizarre and creepy. That I think he's it already still, did. He's still building these things to his beloved Agnes uh-huh. many, many uh, years later on into his life. When, um, you know, she, of course, probably had no idea what the hell he was doing. Well, she's in Latvia. That's true. So she wouldn't know. Absolutely not. So how did they, how did he do it? Did, has, Nobody really this... knows. You know, obviously there's the people out there that think that he was able to harness some sort of uh, magical powers or mm-hmm. harness, uh, you know, he talked a lot about, Ed talked a lot about magnetism. And he said how he was able to harness the powers of magnetism to be able to get uh, objects to move. Well, he, so, he did not have any training in engineering or anything, right? This is uh, all... not, no, no formal training. Okay. Uh, no formal training whatsoever. But, I mean, if you go and you just look at what he was able to accomplish, and it's, it's documented. I mean, this is not something that's made up. You can He's, see pictures of it, right? You can see it. And like, like I said earlier, you can go there and you can... It, 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 going back to the, uh, you know, the big gate that I was talking about, I guess back in the mid eight, early to mid-80s, the gate stopped working. Okay. So they had to bring in a team of engineers and a 50-ton crane... To figure out exactly how, what made this gate work. How did work. he get that to work? Because they wanted to get it working again, and they couldn't figure it out. So right. once they they were able to dismantle it, they realized that the wheel bearing that was underneath, that was the pivot point, had rusted, uh, and, it, and it, it failed. So, so it wasn't anything he did. It was the piece of metal that he used. For, that's right. right. He used to get the parts out of a junkyard. Mm-hmm. So the the all these smart engineers and and they're all their heavy equipment were able to put the put the gate back together. Um, but even to this day, you can still move it, but it doesn't move nearly as easily as it did when Ed had constructed it initially. Wow! So it's really kind of uh, it's kind of fascinating. It's amazing. Uh, there's a there's a stone there that's as big as the stone in the Great Pyramid of Giza, the uh, the the Great uh, in, in the King's Chamber. 
which they still can't figure out how the heck he did that. So the and it's called the Coral Castle, but really the it's it's a it's a rock called oolite, which is uh, similar in composition to uh, to coral, but it's not really coral, but it looks like a lot like it. What if there's a large uh, quantity of metals in, infused into the rock? Oh, possibly. And that's possibly how he was able to to maneuver it with magnets. You know, um, modern uh, you know researchers and scientists and things they just seem to believe that Ed, you know, he just figured out a way how to use pulleys yeah. and uh, pulleys and rollers, p- pulleys and levers and things of that sort more efficiently than most people uh, know how to do. And he was able to do this, but um, I don't know, maybe, maybe he, so he didn't leave like a diary or anything that explained how he, not did. really. And actually his, his death is just as mysterious as his life. He, one day he put a note on his door that said he was going to the hospital <laughs> and he rode his bike to the hospital and then he died three days later never wow. came back. And um, I'm so going to the hospital. See ya. Obviously, the place now is on the uh, registry of historic places. Wow, you can still go there to this day uh, and check it out. And it's actually a place that I, I'm going to Florida in February. Oh, and I make I'm, I may make a special trip down there because uh, I've always wanted to visit mm-hmm. and uh, and see the place because uh, I find it to be extremely interesting. Well, when you do that, you make sure that you do a, an, an investigative report and report back to us. I will. I'll bring an EMF meter. What you find? I'll bring um, some galoshes. Yeah. And a turkey sandwich. No one wears galoshes anymore. No? You ever notice that? Well, no, the galosha. Is that the... Is it a galosha? No, it's a galosh. It's a galosh? Yeah. You know, to me, what what are galoshes to you? I'll tell you what they mean it's a to rubber, me. It's a rubber slip-on, isn't it? Yeah, it's supposed to go over your shoe. Right. Because I know my grandmother, when I was a child, a small child, mm. used to wear the galoshes when it would be raining, and they would slip the rubber covering over her shoes. It's like a condom for your feet. Yes, and you would put it on. It would keep your shoes from getting wet when it was raining. She right. also used to wear a plastic bonnet on her head. Yes, that's right. But they don't do that anymore either. The old ladies do. Yeah. But you don't see many people wearing the slip-on galoshes they don't anymore. Want their, they don't want their beehive hairdo. Or their, I might. You know what? Ball, I'm going to go on Amazon later and see if I can find some galoshes. You know what? That's a good idea. Because in the slushy wetness of the Northeast... We, should, we could use some galoshes. They may, they may come in handy. Yeah. So that's the Coral Castle. That's Ed, Ed Lee Skullman in a nutshell. Uh, there's a lot more to it. Um, but we just we just kind of chipped the the, uh, the tip of the coral here. We chipped at the, the beginning. Tip. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that was a Coral Castle. What do you got? Next on our list of mysterious places, we're going to go back to Europe. Oh. Let me ask you a question. This is not a rhetorical question. Oh, you want an answer. What do you do... If you're a middle, you're a, you're a, a uh, ruler of a of a place. Let's say you're a ruler of some sort of kingdom. Oh, I'm ru- I'm ruling ruling in the uh, in the in, in let's say the 1500s. Okay, what do you do with people who have the plague? What do you do with them? You you segregate them from society, right? Get because them away you don't from want everybody else. else to get the plague. That's right, right. So, you what 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 did the ruler of Venice in the uh, uh, late 1700s. What did he do? He dumped them all in the water. No, he put them on an island. Okay. Almost, almost the same. Oh, Povelia Island mm-hmm. in Italy sits off the coast of Venice. It was used as a hideout from barbarians. You know those barbarians are always causing trouble back in the day. They, you know they were uh, you a barbaric run. people. You'd have to run mm-hmm. away from them and hide. You know you get away. You get away. So they used to hide from the barbarians there, and later it was used as a fort to protect to protect the Venetian coast. So over the years, over the hundreds of v- Venice is a very old city, obviously. And the whole time Venice has been populated, basically, Povelia Island has been used for different different purposes. Mm-hmm. But it became, in the late 1700s, it became a place where incoming ships with people who might have diseases would stop. So before, Ooh, like Ellis Island. Yeah. So yeah. before they would let the ships come into Venice, yep. they would, if they thought somebody in the ship would have a disease, they would park at Povelia Island. That makes sense. And they would basically quarantine them there to, you know, until such time as it was figured out if they were sick, before they would let them into town. Right. 
In the 20th century, the island was once again used as a quarantine station. But in 1922, the existing buildings were converted into an asylum for the mentally ill. Mm. So basically, now, for, for hundreds of years of Italian history, this island has been used to house sick people. Now it's being housed, uh, used to house mentally ill people. Mm-hmm. What, what does this setup seem to you? What kind of places are, usually, are, are associated with mental illness, mental hospitals, and sick and dead people? What, what kinds of places? Yeah. Like, what, what kind of reputation does a place like that get? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, you know, just just a, not a very nice place. Uh, a lot of uh, strange happenings. Uh, yeah. As you can imagine, a place that would be kept, people would be kept to die would develop a reputation for being haunted. Mm. As it's, it was said, it was actually an insane asylum in the 1920s, like I told you. Supposedly, there was a doctor there that experimented on patients, and he did crude lobotomies. You know what a lobotomy is? Yeah, they take out a portion of your brain. Yeah, or they, 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 hit, like, they hit, hit it with an ice pick or something, and yeah. then it supposedly cures mental illness. It's not. I don't think it was known to work very well. It didn't made, work on you, that's for sure. No, it made me kind of drool a lot. But supposedly this doctor was doing these uh, these crazy lobotomies on people in the 1920s. Later, he threw himself from the hospital tower after claiming he had been driven mad by ghosts. Mm-hmm. So supposedly the ghost came after him. He flung himself off of the tower, and he didn't die when he hit the ground. What happened? What happened? People came over to help him because they saw this guy falling off the tower. Oh, I and see. They, uh, witnesses say that a strange mist engulfed him Ooh. at the base of the tower, and then he died. After they said, witnesses said that they thought that the, <clears throat> the mist was choking him. So the the mist came out of nowhere. Yep, and uh, well, because it was chasing him out of there, he well, jumped out the he, window and escaped. That's right. So rumors over the years, uh, supposedly over a hundred thousand people have died on that island over mm. the years, and their remains are strewn about the place. And actually, you can see if you go online, you can see some pictures of the graves. There's lots of weirdo skeletons and. Junk like that, kind of mm. all over the place. So supposedly the island is haunted. It, it's become a, you know one of those world scariest places, and it's known yeah. as a place that you know weird stuff happens. Ghosts are seen, and it's just a bad place to be. Here's here's an interesting uh, tidbit of information. The island was sold to a private person a few years ago. Guess how much someone paid for Povelia Island, which is a good size island, uh, private off the coast island. of Italy. So it's either going to be it's either going to be one extreme or the other. So I two dollars. Nope, seven hundred thousand. Oh, well, that's not bad. <laughs> seven hundred thousand dollars. You get your own haunted island, and it has all these dilapidated buildings on it and stuff. So what's he going to do? Tur- turn it into a tourist? Well, uh, destination? that's the thing. Maybe it's going to be maybe it's going to be a a, a plague themed amusement park. Mm. You know, like you go on a you go on a, a roller coaster and body parts fall on you. Uh, maybe you have to go through a simulated gas chamber. You know, I've seen these uh, these shows now where these people actually go out and they buy islands. They they yeah. then they spend millions of dollars. They buy their own island. Let me ask you this: How does that happen? How do you buy an island? Like, where do you, who are you buying it from? Well, whatever whatever territory or country that is uh, that that uh, you could just pro- sell part of their I land. Guess, I, I don't suppose. Know. I, I don't know. Well, islands can be privately owned. I mean, no, I know, but I'm just wondering. Like, let's say you does every everything belongs to somebody, right? Like, let's say you're you're piloting your vessel in mm. the ocean. And you come across an island in the middle of the ocean. Somebody owns that, right? Or are there islands that nobody owns and they're just public access islands where anybody can go? Maybe. I'm sure there's some remote islands out there that nobody's laid claim to. We should go on a trip and claim some islands for the Eon Project. The, oh, the Eon Project island hunting tour. Yeah, somebody somebody out there who has a lot of money. Uh, yeah, because we don't. Set that up. And we need we need like a, a vessel of some kind. Why don't we make it a cruise ship? Although I don't do well on vessels. No, but there should be an Eon Project cruise to the Bahamas or something mm. where, you know, our... Uh, throngs of fans can interact with us, buy us beverages. Our throngs of fans could wear thongs. Thongs and throngs. Uh, oh, that'd be it. The Eon Project thongs thong, and throng and thong tour. So, somebody set that up and we'll do it. Yeah. We'll, we'll, make that, uh, we'll make that commitment right now.
That's a real tongue twister if you try to say it real fast. Yep. It's fun to say, though. So I think that the the last... Um, get mis- the heaves again over there. I'm sorry. What are you it's, doing? It's, it's, it's get the, the herbs. I have a belly full of herbs. <laughs> it's working on my GI tract. That's pleasant. So uh, the, the last um, interesting and mysterious uh, location that we're going to get into today is is something called America's Stonehenge. Ooh. Yes. And we all are familiar with, or should be, with the famous British Stonehenge on the uh, Yeah, in Clark England. Griswold knocked it over with his uh, his rented Yugo. He did. And it, it caused an international incident. Look, kids, Big Ben, Parliament. Can't get left. America's Stonehenge is um, also known as Mystery Hill, and it's an archaeological site. It's an archaeological wonder. And it consists of a number of large rocks and uh, stone, other stone structures. And it's scattered around 30 acres within the town of Salem, New Hampshire, which is not too far from where we are today. And not too far from Salem, Massachusetts. That's right. They, they ran out of names. They, they did. Naming they did. The same thing. And it's actually the oldest megalithic mystery of North America. And, of course, you know, around the area are a series of low walls, some cave-like structures and tunnels and things. And if you were to just happen upon it, didn't know it was there, I mean, it's not, it's not um, overly impressive right. in the sense that, you know, the, the stones are not nearly as big as the ones at the British version of Stonehenge. Right. You know, they're a lot smaller. But it becomes more impressive when you figure out that where it came from or it, who built it, right? That's, that's right. And, of course, you know, Mystery Hill is, is much more jumbled in comparison to um, the English the English Stonehenge, which is a lot more orderly, and it looks like that it was, a, you know, obviously done for a purpose. And this, like I said before, the Stonehenge uh, stones are much, much larger, up to 45 tons, where the ones in Mystery Hill or America Stonehenge are only 11 tons. And, of course, the construction is a lot less um, intricate, but not so still. The yeah. JV team. That's right. Built That's America right. Stonehenge. Right. Varsity was over there in England. However, a couple of the common threads that run between the two, um, the two locations are... Um, they were believed to be both used as ancient observatories, Ooh. which is a, a, a common theme that runs throughout, uh, you know, a lot of these ancient structures. The megalithic structures are all having to do with celestial right, happenings right. and things. Yeah, because they have, you know, astrological, astrological, how do you say that? Astronomical. Astronomical alignments, uh, you know, summer solstices, uh, thing, things of that sort. And, you know, we know almost nothing about the builders of, of the site. Hmm. Yeah. So it's interesting. So they don't know what it was used for besides the fact that it, it, it had some sort of astronomical uh, significance. That's right. And one of the main the main features of the site is an enormous flat stone uh, that's kind of like a table. And around the edge of the table runs a groove that leads to a spout. Oh, I can figure out what that was used for. Yeah, what do you think? Cleaning turkeys for Thanksgiving. That's right. Mm-hmm. It was also known, or they also believe that it was a sacrificial stone. Oh. Uh, and the, but you were kind of like on the right track there because they think the, the, the groove was a blood, like to let the blood run away. The blood Kind of like a, a mortician's table. Yes. You ever seen one of those? I, as a matter of fact, I, quick plug for my friends down in Texas yeah. who, uh, run a haunted house called Reindeer Manor. I mentioned on the show before, but I used to work, uh, in their haunted house as an actor mm. and one of the, uh, and, and these people, these people, friends of mine, uh, go out of their way to make things as authentic as possible. And they actually purchased autopsy equipment mm. from a real mortuary and they put it in the fake mortuary for I their see. haunted house so i uh used to be right next to a real mortuary table all the time and they're creepy well let me reveal a little bit more about myself and an early an early incarnation of myself and this could explain a lot of what my issues are today mm-hmm. so when i was a child uh small child three you know from birth to maybe five six seven years old i guess um you know and my mother god god lover uh <laughs> She is a, her, her uh, career profession was a hairdresser. Uh-huh. 
Um, they don't call them that anymore. They're beauticians or style, whatever, right? Style. So she's done that for many, many years. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that she was tasked to do was um, the local funeral home that was, was next to her business would pay her money to come and do the hair of dead people. Oh, okay. You know, to get them all... Somebody has to do get it, Get them all right? gussied up for their right. big, big day. For the wake. That's right. And uh, so my mother would take me as a child into the funeral home, into the bowels of the funeral home. Oh, that's that's cruel. To sit there while she did the hair of these dead bodies. <laughs> and they, I would see them. They that's would be nasty. in various states of undress. Oh, yeah? They'd be in various states of... You're not uh, going to reveal anything about embalming. Like, necrophilia or anything, I'd you? peek in this one room, and it was like the cold ceramic room with a slab, and the Ugh. bodies would be laying there. None of this sounds appealing. No, but this is what I went through as a child. Yeah. And there was like a... I remember if you looked behind one of the doors, there was like a prosthetic leg with a shoe on it like a loafer and it was just sitting there in case somebody didn't have a leg and they would just throw it on them. i i guess I, I don't know i don't know if they were keeping it as a trophy or what but wow so anyway that's that's kind of what i did as that's a child a creepy story but getting back to america's stonehenge and yep. the uh the slab under the slab there's a an eight foot long shaft again with the shaft and it leads to an underground chamber and they say that they would be a, a priest or a shaman would be concealed in this chamber and then he would speak up during the ceremony. Oh. It would be it concealed like the voice of an oracle so they would of think some it was kind. Some sort of uh, like a supernatural sp- voice. That's from, right, like from a, the nethers, like a spiritual voice into the nether regions. Oh, okay, right. And the the function of most of the other structures and passages are still really um, not known. But the recent history of the hill starts with a man by the name of Jonathan Paté. Before you French people out there, is that like Paté? Paté, Paté, which is what? What is Paté? Anyway. It's like a. It's like it's like a. Uh, uh, creamed beef mixture gelatinous I thought it was thing. like a spreadable paste yeah that's what it is it's a spreadable meat made it's of mint, meat and fat or something yeah. right? is yeah. that like spam no spam would not be a pate because spam is solid you ever have fried spam it's delicious you know in all my years I've never eaten spam spam is actually not bad it's, it's not good for you at all of but course it's, it is it, it tastes you gotta fry it up Ooh. you fry it up lightly put it on some bread it's delicious you put mustard on mustard, it mustard yes oh mustard my god on. that's awful <laughs> So, delicacy in Hawaii. So Mr. Patti lived on the site um, from 1826 to 1848. And there's many different stories about Patti. But one thing that we know for sure is that he used one of the structures um, as a cellar for his farmhouse. So he didn't have to build his own foundation. Oh, okay. So he didn't, yeah, he just stumbled upon all this he stuff. Did, and he did, and he built his house upon it. Although skeptics will say that Patti is the one that built it. But interestingly, one of the stones that was found is locked in the stump of a tree that started growing in 1769. So the tree grew around it. Right, long before Pate came around. So the stones were there and in place mm-hmm. uh, long before Mr. Pate Pate came along. I see. But in 1936, a gentleman by the name of William Goodwin also uh, came to own the land. And Goodwin's theory about the stones was that Irish monks crossed the Atlantic long before Columbus and created the structures, which to some people sounds crazy. While they were looking for whiskey, no doubt. But uh, knowing uh, you know, our love of alternative history here, mm-hmm. it's not out of the realm of possibility to think that European explorers were coming to the Americas long before Columbus. No, not only that, Northern Europeans especially, because it's not quite as far geographically if you're coming across the Atlantic and you, you leave from Ireland or from, from Northern England to go on a north, you know, like a north... Uh, westerly route, you'll hit Newfoundland, and then if yep. you just follow the coast, you'll make it down to where New Hampshire is. That's right. Kind of like what we talked about with Scott Walter all those many years ago. Many years ago. So they believe they've dated the site to be around 4,000 years old. 
And of course, they've done uh, they've done some carbon dating on fire pits and pottery fragments that go back about a thousand years or so. And most people most people believe the modern um, you know mainstream belief is that Native Americans build it, but they also are in agreement that Native Americans in that area didn't really build with uh, you know stones at that time. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. One of the th- I guess a theory would be that maybe it was perhaps even the Lilliputians. Or, or a long, uh, since extinct race of highly intelligent big feet. Who knows? But uh, <laughs> well, Let me ask you a question. Sure. And I don't know if this showed up there in your research, but isn't it true that uh, that America's Stonehenge is on roughly the same ge- uh, horizontal uh, longitudinal line as, as Stonehenge? That's correct. They're about the same uh, line. That's right. So some people think that they constructed both of them as uh, on top of that as on purpose. Like there's... You know what a ley line is. Sure. We haven't talked about ley lines on the show, but ley lines are these uh, theoretical magnetic lines that, that cross the globe in different areas, and that there seems to be a prevalence of these megalithic structures on top of the ley lines. That's right. So the ancient peoples were somehow able to... Um, they, they were able to figure out more than we kind of give them credit for, I think, at right. times. Um, and, you know, uh, the, the sky is what really fascinated them. You know, obviously there wasn't much to do. Nothing on cable back then. I'm fascinated by the sky, too. You know, so they would, what would they do? They'd go out there, they'd look at the stars, they'd look and they'd study the, the stars every day, every night, and they'd try to find ways to harness that power mm-hmm. by being able to align their structures with, uh, you know, for ceremonial purposes, to align their earthly structures with, you know, the, the gods in the sky, essentially. A, a classic example of that would be the, the pyramids at Giza, which you did mention briefly earlier. Right. Uh, there's three, mm-hmm. and they they are basically in direct alignment with the the three stars in the belt of Orion. That's exactly right. one that's offset, just like one of the stars is. Yes. So they they use the stars for for building purposes, obviously. That's exactly right. We just don't, you know, obviously we don't really know for sure. Um, There were many cultures uh, and civilizations coming and settling in America and doing different things in the Americas um, long before, you know, Columbus sailed to the Caribbean. Um, But, you know, he still gets all the credit. Not sure why. Well, you know, I, I, that, that holiday, I, I give it 20 more years and it won't be it won't be a holiday anymore. Yeah. Mostly I'm, because, like you said, it, it, there's evidence that other people did. Well, there were people here, so it's hard to discover something that there's already someone there. Mm. But, uh, you know, it's losing its its luster. People don't celebrate it at all. It's just another day off at this point. Right. And I think in another 20 years or so, we just won't have it. Yeah. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, you know, uh, groups and people's, people out there that are, you know, advocate against it because of what columbus represents in the grand scheme of uh you know the what he brought to it to the americas exploiting the, the native peoples and taking the gold and sending it back taking and their that. gold and then of course you know a flood of european explorers came here after that right just basically wreaking havoc uh against you know the the indigenous populations here in, in the and they world. were reeking as well i'm sure they didn't they didn't bathe very well uh, of course not they didn't have soaps no and creams and jellies and things to put on them Jellies? I don't know. <laughs> like scented jellies? Scented jellies. Do you put scented jellies on I your body? I would put scented jellies. I want to smell like boysenberry. So you would, would you, like an edible berry? Sure. An edible berry spread. What do you think that they used to, they used to, botanicals, man. They're all living things. They used to, you know, like fruits and things. Yeah, they would bathe and, and wash and that sort of yeah. stuff, right? So why not smear some on you? You'll smell like jellies. You probably have a lot of flies. Yeah, but I'm thinking, when I think jelly, I'm thinking like, you know, like a smucker's jelly. I, I, ah, the smucker's jelly. I enjoy smucker's I'm going jelly. to rub the smucker's jelly all over my body and become sticky and smelly. Suddenly the European explorers sound like, uh, I don't know what that is, some sort of fake Shakespearean accent. I don't know, but I do enjoy, I do enjoy a good spread, like a, like a, yeah. a fruit preserve spread. 
You know, a friend of mine, actually he's a fan of the show, mm. told me uh, one time many years ago about this um, this spread. It's a, a it's a it's a salami spread. It's popular in Italy. It sounds and horrible. Spicy salami spread. You spread it on crusty bread, and it's supposed to be really good. Uh, and supposedly you can't get it here in the United States. He tried ordering it online and everything, and uh, it's it's a nightmare. But if you find it, and I forget the name of it, but it's... it's so it's sort of, just like minced salami? That's like, right. It's a, and, and spices and stuff, and then you spread it on your crusty bread, and it's supposed to be delicious. You know, my, my initial reaction was, that sounds gross, but you know what? <laughs> it sounds pretty good. <laughs> like you said, a little bit of mustard on there. Sure. Maybe some, uh, some toasted crackers. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I have to look into it. What's it called? I, I don't know. I don't remember the name of it. If, oh. if you if you know the name of the spreadable salami spread, I, I, I wonder if they could send sell, it to us. I wonder if we could order it and have them ship it here. From, we could, from we could try that for a sh- for a show bit. Eat it on the on the line Online. on the air. Yes. Oh man. Well, I think that just about does it for another episode of the Eon Project. We, we've wasted your time enough for another hour. Of course, you know, this, and there's countless examples of some of these things that we're talking about here today. Of course, that we can always delve back into. Of course, there's many, many, many mysterious places. Much like your um, underwear drawer for many. It's very mysterious. It's mysterious you know and it's dangerous. Funny? Everyone's afraid to go in my underwear drawer, so that's where I hide my valuables. So if you're ever going to break into my home, mm. they're in my underwear drawer. My valuables. So you're daring people to... to uh, I dare you. To break the seal of the drawer yep. and get in there and it's rummage like, around your yeah. dirty undergarments. It's like uh, you know the Pharaoh's curse. Mm. Once you crack the uh, the seal of it, you've sealed your doom. So do you, do you put your... You don't put soiled undies back in there, I'm do not you? telling you what I put in there. It's a, it's it's all part of an elaborate security system to keep my underwear safe. Oh, so how do you you must mix up your clean and dirties? You're asking a lot of questions. I'm not going to answer anymore. Wow, I don't know. This is you know uh, opsec, man, opsec. I find it interesting. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe we'll, next week we'll probably delve more back into the paranormal aspect of the show, which uh, I know some people like. Love. You know what? And and let me just open call. Yeah. If anyone has any any uh, any stories or anything you want to share with us. And maybe you don't want to appear on the show or, or, or be recorded on the show, but maybe you have a story that you'd like to, to read on the show. Send us an email, and we'll be, we'll be happy to read it. You can reach us at the Eon Project, T-H-E-E-O-N Project, at yahoo.com. Our website is still down because our website was terrible. And so we took it down at a, in protest. But you can get a hold of us on Facebook and also on Twitter. Send us a message. And uh, we'll be glad to read your story aloud for everyone. That's right. And, you know, uh, you know, obviously we make light of things. We joke. But we do take things seriously. And, uh, you know, if you want to speak, you want to talk, you want to come on, we'll, uh, we'll be more than welcoming to you. Um, and if you want to come in the studio, if you want to come in the studio, yeah, be uh, very brave we'll have some adult that. beverages. We'll oh. have some spreadable, uh, spreadable salami, salami paste. Yep. And uh, we'll sit here. We'll hang out. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll jibber-jabber back and forth. It'll be a good grand time. Sounds good. How's that sound? Yeah. All right. So just remember, until next time, just remember. Wait a minute, that was redundant. Remember twice. Oh, remember it. The truth exists. Remember.